Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Williams of Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going Didn't, didn't have you last week. <laughs> yeah, didn't have you last week, but it's all good. I am back yeah. from um, outer space. Yeah. <laughs> from outer space. <laughs> Uh, but, but we have a packed episode tonight. Uh, so many topics to get into. A couple of um, NFL topics, obviously. Going to recap the, the College Football National Championship with Georgia and Alabama. Um, some album reviews. And then the second, and then the, the last half of the episode, we're going to do a review of I Am Legend. To start off with just Georgia's impressive championship win versus Alabama and just their defense stepping up. Um, this past Monday night, Georgia was able to win the championship 33-18 to and snap their 41-year uh, title drought. Uh, Stetson Bennett delivered just some of the biggest throws of his career and the majority of this game was just an SEC defensive type of type of matchup as the Bulldogs uh, defense sealed the game with their um, pick six off of Bryce Young. But what are your thoughts on just how aggressive both defenses were in Georgia kind of you know prevailing w- with a really effective game plan? I, You know what? I, I was thinking about that. Was it the game plan? Was it Mother mm-hmm. Nature? Was it – I think it's the injuries on Alabama's side. You look James at Williams. their – man – Damian Williams, before that, you still have Michi out. You still have Josh Joe, Rodell Williams, Kamara And if Michi was in there, goodness. It would have been a different story. Then you have guys <laughs> who were questionable. You had yeah. Armour Davis, Kenyatta, Chris Owens, Emil. Like, it's a difference when you have three guys out, right? Well, it's in, but when you yeah. have almost 15 guys that <laughs> are key players out. A whole new ball game. It's a whole new ball game. <laughs> And they were still going into the half up. And then that's when the game plan goes, which you said earlier. That's when the game plan comes in. This is the first time in a long time I haven't seen Alabama adjust to the injuries or to what they're doing. They weren't doing anything new under the sun, Georgia, was it? But you have to give the hats off to this quarterback out of Stetson Bennett. Who is Stetson Bennett, Willington? Who is Stetson Bennett? Big throws. He's, He's... them the running game was working the defense did step up a pick six like you said to end the game I think when, when you look at it who adjusted more and how hard was it to adjust for Alabama it was big they still were in the game Bryce, yeah. Bryce had opportunities to to make plays but you can't hang that all on him it's the injuries and some other stuff that goes into the variables but hats off to Georgia what's it been since 1985 19 something 1980 <laughs> Yeah, it, it 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 really it really has it really has been just the the type of drought where it it it's it, it's hard it's hard to believe for 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 I mean for a, a lot of just uh purists to to, to see the, see to see the type of outcome come, but also like in terms of like going forward, when you look at um also Bryce Young him struggling in this type of game and also tr- him learning for the future in terms of just kind of like trying to make the home run pass late in the game, like. What do you think he can learn from this game and type of just performance where he wasn't really playing up to the par of his Heisman status, but is probably going to try to come back next year to, to, to right the wrongs of this game? You know, I, I keep have to reiterate this. You can't blame Bryce, Bryce Jones, um, excuse me, Bryce, mm-hmm. Young Bryce Young. for the. I think he played a great football game. I think some of those throws, if the veteran guys were in there, like Mitchell, like Williams was there, there were catchable balls. You have young guys, freshman guys who have been whining, crying the entire season. You see how many guys went into the transfer portal after the game. It's your opportunity to step up and make big plays. Sometimes you got to help the quarterback out in situations. Those interceptions, those plays, they're one bad throws. 
It's the difference between a good wide receiver and a great wide receiver when it comes to college football. And I think the throws that Young did, there weren't bad throws at all. There were, I think there were throws that he was making all year. And I think with the right receiver or veteran receiver, guy who's been there for a little bit and under the system, knows how to adjust to the balls that he throws. I think that plays an account to that. I think Bryce Young played a good football game, man. He tried to lead his team. He was the last guy off the field, making sure everybody was in good spirits after the after the L. But I don't think you hang it on Bryce Young. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I think yeah, it's unfair I mean, to him. Exactly. So when you have these young guys who are whining the whole season, like the tight end that went into the transfer board or the wide receiver who actually with uh I forgot his name, who who the interception came off of, you you, you, you gotta step up. And you know you when you come to Alabama, that's gonna happen. You're gonna be behind people and when your opportunity gets there, you gotta go. And a lot of people forgot Devontae Smith was a freshman when you he caught that touchdown from Tua and the championship yeah. against Georgia. That's and wild. that was his <laughs> and that's his opportunity. And he became a household name, got drafted by the Eagles, and yeah. going pretty good. So when your opportunity comes, that's when you come up. But Man, you, I don't think you can hang it on Bryce Young just alone. Definitely. Um, and now interesting to the NFL and just kind of thoughts on the Chargers Raiders um wild end and, and Las Vegas getting to the postseason. Um, this past Sunday night, the Raiders were able to win by three with Daniel Carlson's uh 47 yard field goal as time expired in overtime and eliminated their AFC West rival um while helping the Steelers advance. Um Las Vegas was able to survive LA's late game comeback built on kind of a series of, of fourth down conversions to force overtime. And with this win, the Raiders have won four straight and completed just an incredible late season run after um, losing five of their previous six. But what are your thoughts on kind of, you know, th- th- this really sporadic outcome and the Raiders getting getting to the postseason? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen. I, I, I think Me either. Some, <laughs> I think there's some rumors going around like they were expecting to just like, like, I don't know, not win or something like that. There's some stuff going around. Because even if they didn't win, they would still like they still would have been able to get in with a tie. Right, and I think they were trying to help some. I don't know what was going on, but Hunter Renfro, who's not talked about because Cooper Cup has been killing it this year. Hunter Renfro has been a beast this season. Guy out of Clemson. He was big in Clemson, coming out, got drafted. We already know he was going to be a good slot receiver in the NFL. He's showing it. The guy looks good. He's the offense. You have a good running back. And Jacob, see, like they have the one-two punch when it comes to their offense, Derek Carr doesn't have to be perfect. He wasn't perfect this game. I think he threw for 186 yards, two touchdowns, one came from Renfro. So he didn't have to be perfect. They simplified the game a little bit for him and to get these guys open and the running game is working. Offensive line looks good. Alex Leatherwood is still out, but he'll be back in time for the playoffs game. And it came down to the wire. Field goal, yes. OT. It was a yeah. good game. And I think that the Chargers had, had a good game plan as well. They look good, but it just came down to – who had the ball last in overtime, and overtime is always uh, interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely like was one of those games where it, it, it was a possession by possession. You, you knew it was going to come down to, to, to the final minutes and seconds. Like with, with Justin Herbert and this Chargers team, obviously, like this is a disappointing way to end their season. Um, what have you kind of seen from Justin Herbert's development th- this year? As I mean, I really feel as though he's going to be one of the breakout stars, uh, like of that quarterback yes. era that he came out of, and, and just really kind of like transitions into being possibly a dominant quarterback when he gets into his prime years? I mean, I think he's the first Oregon quarterback <laughs> to come out and be mm-hmm. a star. Yes, like, bona fide star. A bona fide star who has the game slowed down for him. 
He still has the weapons, man. He has a he's through 64 times, Wellington. 36 mm-hmm. out of 64. I know he's a young guy, but any quarterback throwing 64 times, your arm is gonna get feel like a noodle. <laughs> You're gonna feel like all we're doing is passing, it's good, but I'm tired. But he has the endurance, he has everything, the intangible, tangible things, big arm, very smart, can extend plays out of the out of the backfield, help his offensive line out, and he has accuracy. He has yes. a big throw, he has pinpoint. accuracy, pinpoint accuracy, man. And to have this for a second year quarterback coming out of Oregon, where well, we just know him Oregon for like of all places. Defense, yeah. <laughs> defensive guys, DBs or something like that, but a quarterback yeah. who's coming out of leading his team almost to the playoffs, I think his future is super bright. They're going to still add some guys in there. They can add another big wide receiver for him because Eckler's been killing it. He's quiet too. Nobody's been talking about him because he's so consistent. But I think they continue to add weapons around Justin Herbert and to get the defense straight away, straightened out. With Joey Bolson and Ingram over there, man, man, I think they the sky's the limit for that team, especially Justin Herbert. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now listening to the, the Colts j- just shocking loss to Jacksonville and what this means for the, I can't believe I'm saying that the Colts lost. Their- oh gosh. <laughs> can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> and, and and with this, I mean, like like the, the Colts, they they had the, the clear opportunity to be able to get into the postseason. Um, Jacksonville wins this game by 15, and um, the Jaguars ended an eight game losing streak. And Jonathan Taylor, the, the Russian champion, was held to just 77 yards along with Carson Wentz um, being sacked six times, but. What are kind of your thoughts on this upset and just, you know, it keeping the Colts out of the postseason where it was one of those games where it, feel like, it felt like it was going to be a surefire win for them to, to get in and possibly be um, a dark horse? <laughs> Listen, man, Colts need the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, that's what they need. Yes. They yes. Need that's the plug. Multiverse. That's the plug. <laughs> they need the multiverse, man. How do you lose to a 3 and 13 team? <laughs> Who's, who doesn't even care anymore? They fired the head coach. They already know they're going to get the first yeah. draft pick. They threw the season away. They're, they're like, it's, it's done. <laughs> Bro, and they hit, hold the lead rusher to 77 yards. How, Sway? That's the storyline right there, Willington. They hold yeah. him to 77 yards. The guy averages 125 yards a game. Carson Wentz looked like Carson Wentz. Typical Carson Wentz. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Typical Carson Wentz. When he gets down to the nitty gritty, he doesn't show yeah. up. You put up eleven points. I, I, you can't say it. You can't, One of the most head scratching losses that, that I've seen in a while. Seriously, you have the opportunity to go into the postseason. You have the leading rushing and running back. You got everything going. Defense looked good. They didn't look good this game. <laughs> they didn't look good this game. <laughs> everything was set up for you guys to go into the postseason and possibly make a run. He didn't do that. Carson Wentz was Carson Wentz. He got sacked six times, Wellington. Six. Literally, I saw Clinton, uh, Clinton Yates off of Around the Horn, like, the, the, the day after. He said, this is a fireable offense. <laughs> like, he literally said, that, like, this is a fireable offense. Like, to lose this type of game when you get into postseason, I mean, like, that's that's worth being fired. That is. They don't have to look <laughs> at it. Look, man, they don't have to look at the offseason. Like, who can we get at the quarterback position? We've been fishing around since Andrew Luck. Brissett wasn't it. Carson Wentz wasn't it. Phillip Rivers wasn't it. Like, <laughs> we're trying to find a quarterback in a stream hard. They need everything else looks good. The mm-hmm. office, even with the office line giving up six. The surrounding infrastructure is good. It's good. I think when it Carson Wentz have been out a lot this year, they haven't got consistent. They were doing pretty good. And then you, in 17 of 2,985 yards, you got a, a weak touchdown at the end. 
got sacked six times. Man, as at a certain point, as a general manager, you need to stop fishing around. I would just draft the young guy. Mm-hmm. I would just draft the young. They haven't drafted a young quarterback in a long since Andrew Luck, and that was what two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, in that realm of things. So I think, and Andrew Luck was a great quarterback for them. He just retired a little early. He had some injuries. But I think they need to draft a younger guy mm-hmm. and stop with these old guys. Phillip Rivers, Jacob Brissett, Carson Wentz. Like, what, what were they doing? What were we doing out here? So, yeah. man, what a what a folly. What a, <laughs> what, a way. <laughs> what a way to end the season. <laughs> what a folly. I know they're just like, man, we got <laughs> – we lost get this game. <laughs> you don't even have a real head coach. Like, bro, like, what are we doing, bro? Oh. Oh, man. Um, but, but now transitioning to, to, the, to the 49ers comeback win versus the Rams uh, this past Sunday, um, San Francisco was able to win by three on the road um, after trailing 17 to 10. And they clinched a postseason berth as Robbie Gold had a 24 yard field goal with, with 245 left in overtime. And then a game ending interception by rookie Embry uh, Thomas. And the 49ers, you know, they finished the season 7-2 and two and had two wins over the Rams during that stretch. Um, the Rams still win the division title due to Seattle's win over Arizona. But what are kind of your thoughts on this comeback win from San Francisco and, you know, the Rams not being able to hold on as we kind of are seeing the, the 49ers be, be able to, to kind of look in, in their peak form going in, into the postseason as, you know, they have Super Bowl experience. And I, and I really feel as though they, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to pick them against Dallas, but I do think like they could give Dallas like a, a, a legitimate, like just competitive match. Um, so you kind of like, just, what, what are your thoughts on this game and just the outcome of it? You you see how witty Kyle Shanahan can be. We've seen that when he was yes. with the Atlanta Falcons. We see that when he was with the Redskins under his dad. We see how he get the playmakers. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, how he gets Debo Samuel. He rushed for a touchdown and threw a touchdown. George Kittle went off. Jimmy Garoppolo, he makes, he simplifies it for Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen Jimmy not show up and finish games, especially a Super Bowl game they should have won against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now you simplify, you get the ball in your playmaker's hands and make it simple for Jimmy. The defense looked good. They came back, beat him by three points. The rest is history. They look good. Now, if they can keep this up and not get there in a, in a position where they, Jimmy has to beat the other team, it's a, similar to Jared Goff. <laughs> it's similar to Jared Goff when he's with the Rams. They were good in, until Jared Goff had to win the game for them. They're good until Jimmy has to win the game for them. So if Cal Shanahan can continue to get the ball in his playmaker's hands, they will be fine. The defense will step up at the right time. No one could hold George Kittle <laughs> That's just it. Debo Samuel is a guy who's so versatile. Obviously, he can run the ball. He can throw the ball. He can catch the ball. That's not a team I want to see in the postseason, man. That's not a team I want to see in the postseason. And they're up right now. What what Drake said, I'm up right now. I'm up right now. (laughs) You suck. (laughs) And then the Rams. Oh, my gosh. The Rams. That's that's another thing I wanted to get to because the Rams have like 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 we we see glimpses of them looking like the team that that we expect to look like when they got assembled and brought all these pieces together. Then there are other other weeks where Stafford just kind of has the opportunity to close out a game, but then you know it just doesn't have good decision making. And that's the thing. I think at a certain point you start forcing the ball, and we've seen that with him with the Lions. Yes, you have one of the best wide receivers in football Mm -hmm. right now. Came I think sixteen yard shot. From your, your previous wide receiver, Calvin Johnson, but at a certain point, you just have to continue to mo- modify the game and just pace the game. You don't have to do too much. 
I think they have a good running game. They have a good offensive line behind. The defensive pickup, I think, later in the postseason. But going into the post, I think they're seven. They lost this last two, three games, and they got swept by the 49ers. So going into the postseason now, yeah, you win the division. Yeah, all that whoop-de-whoop. Yeah, that's all cool and all. But you're on a down slope. They have to reconvene, reconfigure whether they're doing And Matthew Stafford has to keep it simple. Because he hasn't been in the postseason in a long time. He hasn't won in division in a long, long time. time. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> so I think he got happy. Yeah. He got too happy. But I think going into the postseason, I think they're going to be fine. But they're, you can't deny they're on a downslope losing at the end of the season. That's not where you want to be heading to the postseason. No. It's just not. Yeah. Um, and, and now get, get, get getting into Brian Flores, just shocking firing from the Dolphins this uh, uh, earlier this past week. Um, this decision was, was made just 12 hours after Miami had beaten the Patriots 33 to 24 on Sunday um, as they finished the season nine and nine and eight after a one and seven start. Um, owners uh, Stephen Ross said the coach was not collaborating properly at an organizational level um, to, to sit uh, to kind of keep success. And there was also the speculation about Flores wanting to get a Sean Watson at some point in the season. Um as his dealings with, with Tua just kind of deteriorated. But what are your thoughts on kind of a firing that, that you know, really doesn't make a, log- a lot, lot of logical sense, but was, you know, maybe likely based on how, you know, Flores was dealing with, with Tua just wasn't as good as it used to be and also just some issues with the organization's decisions? It, it makes me think about uh, the Redskins situation when they drafted the owner, Dan Snyder, wanted to draft Robert Griffin, and right. Mike Shanahan wanted to draft Kirk Cousins. And I think mm. they everybody wanted Tua. Everybody loved the hype he had coming out of Alabama, but he wasn't that guy. No. He wasn't that guy. Still doesn't don't think he is guy. And I think Flores, who understands football, knows he's not that guy. I think that's why he was really wanted to get Deshaun Watson, who still has a lot of years left on his belt, but he's still going through legal troubles. But as the firing of you know Flores, I think it was. I think it's the best thing that happened to him. Now he's up for the position either for the Giants or Houston, which he has connection with Houston, the Houston uh, Texans, even though with their their GM situation, whatever. But I think it's the best because you can't fix that offense. Even though they won the last seven games, that was off the defense back. You can't fix that offense. Two is not the guy. They're going to believe him for the next two or three years, then they'll move him. But who has two, three years to rely on a quarterback who can't throw open his wide receivers? or can't read the defense, or who can't elude uh, the blitz or help off the offensive line by extending the play. You don't want that. He gave him an opportunity multiple times. He can't do it. If the head coach saying he can't do it, listen to the head coach. So that's the best thing for Flores to be able to go to an organization that would listen to him and make the, make the moves because who can fix that offense? You have to draft more offensive linemen. You have to move some veteran guys in there. You have to go get more weapons. It's a lot of money that takes to fix the offense more than the defense, in my opinion, especially at the quarterback position where you spent all this money. So that was the best opportunity for him to get out. I know it's one year. A lot of people yeah. was in an uproar like, what, after a year, blah, blah, blah. Now he has other opportunities this fast to be able to get another organization that's better off. I think – Houston Texans offense has potential. And I believe it or not, I think the Giants has potential. So now you go to a team, the organization will actually listen to you and make the move, the right moves to make the team better. The offense Definitely. Yeah. And, and before we get to our next topic, obviously we, we, you and me weren't able to talk about it last week, but obviously like the passing of John Madden has been 
a, a big thing uh, that, has, that has been recently discussed about uh, him being just a legendary commentator and coach and just having such a imp- huge impact on the league. Like, what are kind of your thoughts on just the legacy he left on the league and just, you know, the, how people remembered him and, and what he brought to the game? What? You know what's crazy? He's one of the first commentators I've seen growing up that made me want to be a sports commentator. I know he was a color. Um, yeah, he was a what thing? A color, color by color uh, analyst or whatever. But he was one of them. It's, it's like five guys who I've watched growing up that made me be a sports commentator. John Madden was one. I knew he was a head coach at some point, but I didn't know. I think that was later when I got older, but growing up elementary school, like fourth and fifth grade, I remember putting what I wanted to be when I grew up as an NFL player or a sports commentator. One of the reasons why I was John Madden. And you look at his illustrious career, I think he's top five coach, most winning the coach. I think he's above, he's above um, my my legend of Green Bay. You should know Vince Lombardi. Vince so Lombardi. That's, that's no small feat. Vince Lombardi used Not to win, all. man. So to be ahead of Vince Lombardi and all these other guys, man, that just shows how great of a coach he was and player because he did play too. And to be able to have the trifecta and when it comes to the NFL, be a uh, well, just playing around football, playing, being a coach, and being a commentator, I mean, that's a trifecta. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I mean, even, I mean, another uh, tough, even separate from sports, we recently, recently lost Sidney Poitier, and I feel like yeah. he has to be mentioned because he's just, you know, just, just a legendary actor, a trailblazer. To, to me, he was Denzel before Denzel. Like, yeah. like when we look at, mm-hmm. at, at, at just the, the the perfect black male actor, he really was that. Like, what are kind of your thoughts on j- j- just the legacy he left and just the catalog that he had? Because he he trailblazed the way for so many other black actors to be able to, to, to just step in that space and feel confident. See, that's it right there, man. He paved the way for other actors, not just black actors, other actors, but specifically we're talking right. about black actors. But he had this, he brought this new element of emotion to to acting. You can tell, I forgot what movie it was, but he, he it was more, I, don't, I can't explain it. You, you felt it in a different way. Yes, it's easier to, to portray anger and, and sadness, but his, his portrayal in his movies and how he did it was, was so, I think, innovative. And I think it kind of catapulted Denzel, because we've seen Denzel give, it's the lip thing. Denzel does a lot of stuff with his lips, the emotion, the new yeah. angle of emotion to bring it out. So City Portier did the same exact thing. Like you say, he was, yeah. he was Denzel before Denzel was Denzel, or Jamie Foxx, or Samuel Jackson, exactly. or whatever. Any of them. So he paved yeah. the way. What a legacy. What a legacy it leaves to be able to pave the way, not for just black actors, but actors in general. Absolutely. Um, and, and now getting into, uh, most intriguing because this is just going to be a packed wild card weekend in terms of just so many different games um, yes, that are that, that are going to be ones uh, to, to 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 be glued to. Uh, in terms of most intriguing AFC matchup, I, I, like Bills Patriots, like having a, a division type of game, I feel as though like that's going to be really intriguing. I, I would give the edge mm-hmm. to Buffalo, but I do think like whenever you have Belichick coaching and obviously with with the, some of the success New England was able to have against them, that's going to be a one to, to to really like look at and then. And the NFC Cowboys 49ers, because as we mentioned with San Francisco, they are really trending upward. And then Dallas, um, not, not looking as sharp as they were in, in the first half of the season. I think that's going to be a very interesting contrast. But to you, kind of like what are some of your intriguing matchups uh, for the wild card? You know, I, I got to take Vegas and Cincinnati. 
Right. They are coming off. Cincinnati Bengals are coming off one of the greatest seasons, not greatest season, better season in the last four to seven years. Let's be honest. <laughs> you have the yeah. new guy, Joe Burrow. We got the LSU bro, LSU boys in there. You got a different head coach, different defensive coordinator, got some pieces moving. They got the ball rolling. I remember everybody was on Jamar Chase because he said, oh, it's different catching the balls in the NFL, and it gave him a lot of noise. Now he just broke the record, one of the records for the Bengals. So I want to see them go into there, see how far they can go in the postseason. I think they're going to go against a solid um, Las Vegas team. And then the second one, I'm looking at the young, the young bull versus the old bull, Philly versus Tampa Bay. Man, Tampa Bay has been in a downslope. Jalen Hurts is in the playoffs, Wellington. Come on. Yes, finally. All the stuff he's been through, man. He's in the playoffs as the NFL quarterback, starting NFL quarterback. All he's been through his career, I want to see him be in that moment and see how good he is. This is your opportunity. I didn't think they was going to make it this year. They skipped no. in, and they're going against <laughs> the defending champs. So you got mm-hmm. you got Tom Brady versus the young gun and Jalen Hurts. Oh, man, it's going to be I think it's, it's going to be, be really good. good. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting to the second half of our topics, and we're joined once again by a special guest. I'm Maurice Hendricks. I'm a multimedia content creator focusing on making music, film production, and video game design. Uh, Maurice, thank you so much for being back on. And, and first of all, if you haven't listened to I've Been Absent, Four Phases Part 2, pause the podcast. Pause the pause pa- podcast. Yes, yep. sir. L- literally pause it. Literally pause it. <laughs> thank you Don't for, even thank continue. For being back on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. Uh, anytime, bro. Anytime. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And um, to start off with our first album review with um, The Weeknd's Don FM, and just kind of thoughts on how his um, sound has evolved um, with his last two albums. In his latest album, the narrative construction is just, you know, extremely impressive and it's matched by a similar uh, musical progression and delivers just a, a diverse range of, of sources to create something just so distinct, so distinctive. You know, there are a lot of collaborators from um, Tyler, Tyler, the creator, Quincy Jones uh, narrating interlude. Also, um, Jim Carrey narrating the intro and outro, and then along with a feature from um, Lil Wayne. But what are kind of your initial thoughts on this album as it was kind of like a balance of um, classic and daring with a new wave and old school sounds? Yeah. Um, is that for me or Saber? Oh, for you. My, my, my bad. Maurice. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <gotcha. laughs> I, I didn't even direct the question to the right person. <laughs> <laughs> no, you good. You good. Uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, man. I uh, I uh, really enjoyed this album when I was listening through yes. it. Um, I would say this is one of the first uh, weekend projects that I listened all the way through straight. Most of them, I could like… I could like get through halfway and I was like, okay, let me just take a break. Let me listen to some hip hop or something. This was a straight run through for me. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And it was very cohesive. The production style, like his vision for the whole project. Um, I could see like the whole thing. So I, I really enjoyed this project. Um, I've been getting getting into this sound more recently anyways. Like just like by listening to several artists. So um, that's like electronics, uh, synthwave music. Um, I knew he was going to go in this direction too. Especially the after 80 all the after pop hour stuff. Yes, it's uh, it's definitely making a comeback. So I uh, really enjoyed this album, and I think he did it like in the perfect time. Yeah, he he really did. And, and I mean, like to me, after hours, like that was that was one of the biggest Grammy snubs. I mean, it wasn't nominated at at, at all. And then this was kind of a continuation of that. Like uh, t- to you, like do you feel as though it like this was this was something that like that was just expected? Because I feel as though like there's still that crop of fans that want that like 
House of Balloons feel, but I feel as though, like, overall, like, this is what he's going to con- continue to do until he feels as though, like, he's reached his peak for it. Yeah, he's definitely going to stay here. Because, like, as I listen to this album, I realize, like, this, okay, like, no, no disrespect, but this dude is really, like, the modern-day Michael Jackson. Because we really thought it was Drake, mm. but nah, it's The Weeknd, bro. Like, even if you look at the, look, look at the stats, The Weeknd is, like, a bigger artist than Drake now. And that's just real, like… And, you know, maybe it doesn't appear that way for us because, like, we're more on the hip-hop side of things. But, like… Right. Uh, as a pop star. Like, if you just look purely… Yeah, like, as a pop star, he's he's really on that level. Um, And just, like, his his artistry and skill, like, from the music videos to the overall vision for who he paints as a character. You know, every every album he has, like, this character that he personifies through his music. And so I feel like he's just really talented in that. And so this is, like, the perfect… um style of music to explore, you know, more characters and really get into that that sound um, to the art, so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, like, uh, uh, t- to you, Savon, in terms of just, like, your initial thoughts on this album and what you heard from it, what were kind of some of your takeaways and, and what you, just kind of how you felt about it? Tomato emoji. Tomato emoji. You know what that means? Boo! I knew it. I knew it. I was waiting for it, Maurice. I was waiting for it. I was just waiting for the booze. Waiting for the hot takes. I was like, wait, tomato? I was confused. (laughs) (laughs) I already say it was confused. Bro, I am not a fan of The Weeknd. I've never been a fan of The Weeknd. I feel like he makes music for people who are on acid and ecstasy. And I'm (laughs) on neither of those. I'm on visual life. But I can't listen to man. His voice is annoying. I will say he's very talented. I'm not going to say he's very talented. How he does even the mm-hmm. the cover art, he looks like uh, <laughs> Black Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he looks yeah, the like, cover art uh, was a little uh, interesting. That was odd. That was choice. odd. I got another one. I got another one. He looked like <laughs> Martin Lawrence of Life. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> <laughs> but yo, bro, I couldn't like. It was just like Donna, bro. For me, it was just like I can't. Like I, like I like Weekend on Take Care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's the only like I can't go back. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't do it. Crew love the ride. He was in the background. The ride! Oh my goodness, that was that was dope. <laughs> that's dope. But I just can't get past it. Like, because I guess I'm more hip hop. I'm not really a pop guy. It's it's kind of mm-hmm. like an acquired taste for you. Yeah, and I, it's just like you know. I mean, he's talented. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's. I will say he's close to Michael Jackson. I think he's on a level. Oh of yeah, Mike. for sure. But no, I think Drake is actually. I don't, I don't think he's very, yeah. I think he's very good. I was waiting to say something. I was like, let, let my boy reset. I knew Sam. I was waiting. Like, what? <laughs> Sam, I was waiting to bounce. That's why I said it. That's why I said it. I knew it would be controversial. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, don't get me wrong. The weekend is very international. But I think yes. Drake. You can't afford Drake. Super Bowl can't afford Drake. That's why Drake has not done it. You can't afford mm. it. So Man, I how big that, is, I mean, that would, could you imagine if he did, did the Super Bowl? Like, that would, that would be like a mega show, man. That would be a mega show. Even after the year the weekend had, y'all still think that, like with After Hours, you think that he wasn't the biggest, bigger artist than Drake at that point? Or even now? No. Wow. I would still say Drake. I think quality of music, man. I think the weekend hasn't crossed different realms of music. But you got dance hall, pop, you got hip hop, you got rap. Yeah. Drake literally did no promo for his album, and the numbers are just astounding. Like no interview, that's, no nothing. That's valid. Just, 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 like just went in, went out. That's true. Drake, that's true. Drake can drop something about ABC one two three, and it'll go. 
triple <laughs> something. He could be just like, um, A, A. Like, he just said A the whole time. Like, A. Oh, my gosh. A, a. <laughs> he could do that, and I'd be like, bro. That Have y'all ever watched This is Pootie art. Tay? This is true art. <laughs> have y'all ever watched Pootie Tay? Where he was just not saying nothing, and it was like, yo, this is a hit? <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just, y'all just showed y'all age. Y'all <laughs> We're super young, man. We're super young. Okay. Savon's the OG. Savon's the OG. <laughs> He's triple, the OG. <laughs> triple OG. But anyway, like, yeah, man. I think Drake still is the... He's top tier right now in every every aspect of music. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and Maurice, like, to you, like, you, you were mentioning how this was kind of like just a straight run-through project and, and you, you know, really were, were into, the, the, the like, the, the totality of it. Like, to, to me, some of the standout tracks... Out of time, here we uh, here we go again. And is there someone else? We're kind of like my my top three favorites. Like, were there any like tracks that you kind of went back to even more than others? Yeah. So there was a couple at the end. Everything from like "Don't Break My Heart" to "Phantom yeah, Phantom Regret" by Phantom Jim. Regret. That run of four songs were like very like it was like the ending of this era that the the weekend has created for right. himself with this album. So like I really like that run through. And yeah, definitely some of the standouts uh, for me. Specifically because I think I watched the music video before I had even, like, listened to the whole album. But, like, Gasoline, um, uh, Take My Breath. That was different. That one was different. Gasoline was the one I was not sold on. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. I think it's because I saw the music video first that before I even heard the song or the album. I mean, how it started. Like, like how the song started. Yeah, When he got to the hook, I was more sold. But but how it started, I was kind of caught off guard. yeah. He definitely has been trying some new stuff on this album, um, which I can appreciate because it is a new style for him. This like synth, he like he like went more into the electronic and synth pop sound. So it, it definitely he was trying to like paint this picture with all the skits in there too, like all the radio skits and all that stuff. So he definitely right. was trying a lot of new things on this this project. Definitely. Who do you think had the best feature? Uh ooh. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Lil Wayne, um, cause okay the Tyler the Tyler the Creator was oh, good too. Yeah, I, it's hard. I would have to listen back to them both. I think okay. I think I would just like the way that Lil Wayne slid on on that one because he I think he matched the weekend more. Oh yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, but Tyler is always gonna stand did. out. You know, but Ty, yeah, yeah, that yeah, one just exactly. stood out to me more, man. Like goodness, he just he's. Really floated on that, but uh, not just listening to to, to Gunna's uh, DS Forever review and just in this new album, you know, we see that he kind of brings out a personal style, melodic gestures, and and whispered boasts. It has a lot of sonic diversity and fits between you know digitized trap hammers, and he continues to just exhibit a, a flashing, intoxicating vocal style. Um, you know, th- to, to me, like this album, you know, still still has cliches in the project that he can't transcend, but still is an overall solid bo- a solid body of work. But to you, Maurice, kind of like what were your initial thoughts on this project and, and just Obviously, he's going to have a stacked feature list and, and what he was able to do in this new album. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a pretty solid Gunna album. I wouldn't say it's one of his best. Um, no. But I think for Gunna, it was it was solid, you know. Um, like, if I had to give it, give it a rating, it would be like a, a six for a Gunna album. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was around that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, so, so, like, as I listened through, There's like, There's not, the like, a lot to take away from some of his amazing. albums. because. Yeah, it, 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 it's always the yeah. production. It's, it's always the production that you focus on because like it's everything else, like, the is, is similar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd be rapping about the same stuff, literally. but it's just the way the beats slide. That's literally it, man. And the vibe that he creates with the beats and stuff. So Weezy, mm-hmm. Weezy just carried, man. You know, 
goodness. Um, is it t- to you, Savon, like what were kind of some of your takeaways from this album? And uh, like Maurice was saying, the production is one of the things that is always a standout on his albums um, as, as Weezy really just had, had a phenomenal um, performance. All the beats sounded the same. Um, <laughs> every last one of them. Every last one of them. Weezy out of here. I like Weezy, bro. I love his, his tag, but dude, switch it up. <laughs> switch it up <laughs> That's true. Same old, same old gonna. Same old, same old gonna. Nothing has changed. The same, like Reese, he's talked about the same thing. I, Reese, you, you generous. You gave him six. I gave him three out of ten. It's the same old, same old. It's the same old, same old. And Weezy didn't switch up the beats. It sounded exactly the same. He just changed probably a percussion or eight oh eight. It was like (laughs) that's different. Like gotta win in the booth. He not wrong, bro. He not wrong. About the same thing. That is true, bro. Yeah, this wasn't it, bro. This wasn't it, bro. Even the even the features didn't save him. Like okay, but the Kodak Black and Lil Baby oh, that feature, was tough. and the Young Thug feature. But yeah. they didn't save him though. That G Herbo feature was trash. Thug's feature was trash. Future was what? Fire. Future, future was, was fire. future was fire. That's yeah, old future. future. Was fire. Yeah, 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 I, I want old future old this future. year. I want a new old, old future album this year. That's what, I think that's what it sounded like Gunner was trying to do because it's something like Future did when he first got into like, you know what I mean? Like astronaut status, mm-hmm. you know, before March Madness. That's what it mm-hmm. sounded like. This was sounding like, but he didn't. Wasn't a lot of reinvention. Three! Give it a three. <laughs> it was not, bro. Wheezy. I, I know you was, you counting that money, but like, I finessed this fool. <laughs> yeah, he probably, he literally sent him a pack of beats and he probably just used them all. Like, Gunner just used them all, bro. Yes, he did. 10 hours before. He's like, I'm just going to change a few things and just say, Weezy out of here. Tell you, man. That's trash, bro. Um, but but now listening to, to Mike's uh, disco review, th- this album from last summer contained just a lot of hope and intros- introspection. Um, explores post trauma from every uh, possible angle, and you know even the inner inner uh, monologue transitions between just are, are between humorous, nostalgic, and fatalistic. But to you, Maurice, kind of like what were some of your takeaways from this album, and just you know how there were just so many different sounds varying from jazz piano to to even floating keys. Yeah. So one thing I really like about uh, Mike, I don't does he produce his own stuff? I'm actually not sure. Uh, let me look. Um, I, I don't know if he produces his own stuff, but one thing I really like about um, his style is he's very sample heavy. So like every song was samples. like a looping sample. Yeah, and it's it's like alternative, like old hip hop. Um, so I, I really love it that. It took me that, back to an old era. Album. It took me back to an old yes. era, like which I really like. Yeah, and, and like the the production, even in the production, like audio engineering, it's like. It's like lo-fi on purpose, like low fidelity, right. not like lo-fi, like chill lo-fi music, but like, like it, it's it's like uh you know not like modern, you know. So it's like very alternative, and uh that's one thing I really like. But I will say it it stayed like that the whole album, and I wish he kind of would dive into into the more yeah modern style. I know that is like his style, and that's what he's known for. Like this, see the thing the I almost wanted and, to just stay there. Like like the the reason I really love this album, I I, I like the fact that he just stayed there because I felt as though I was in a different era. But but all, I mean, I, yeah, I, I can understand true. how some other some other listeners would want him to to get back to a modern feel. Yeah, because it was it was it was to me it was like slow. So the whole album was slow, mm-hmm. even though the songs are short. Since it was so sample heavy, uh, it the beats were usually slower, and so it just right. kind of like almost dragged on for me, like towards the middle. Um, 
But you know, he's always bar heavy. He always has a lot to say in his lyrics. And so that's Definitely. one thing I can appreciate as well. Absolutely. Uh, to, to you, Savon, in listening to this album, kind of like, what were some of the things that like that stood out? Because like he he does have a different era type of feel to it. Um, but as Maurice was saying, like the, the, there were some parts where he, he kind of didn't switch it up later. He didn't fit most of these these beats. His voice didn't fit. It didn't gel perfectly. And I think I've talked about this with certain artists like Rick Ross. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And some other guys that we review, like the the the, the, the production fits their voice. You, you don't have to force yourself to be on this track. And you know it sounds good. It's like a, your voice is like an added instrument. His mm-hmm. voice his voice wasn't bad. His cadence wasn't bad. He just didn't, for me, he didn't fit the beat. Like, I love his samples because I'm a sample heavy um, artist too. But mm-hmm. I didn't like how he tried to fit himself on his his cadence, his style onto the beat where he should have been like, yeah, that's not for me. It's a hard beat, but I'm at the pass. I think right. that's what that was the difference maybe because he did have bars he was he was there lyrically as well but it's just like the beats hard but you don't fit it like it's like <laughs> like you have a fire a fire song and you have in mind a uh, artist that you want to hop on it and you send mm. back some like bro what like I'd expect you to kill that a little more or do something differently and so I'm not gonna use that track that's what it feels like to me almost like reference tracks. Yeah, like, like he, he sounded like reference tracks. Yeah, he should have. Mm. He should have used some of these songs. And I'm let me give you a. But I feel like that's his sound, though. I feel like that's what. Yeah, that's what he's. That like is his core sound. That's yeah. his core sound, like not mm-hmm. fitting with beats. <laughs> it, it's it's like <laughs> no, he's a little off. <laughs> he's he's output from the the beat, but like that's like I think that's like a lot of his fan base like him for that, you know. Yeah, like, that's how it's what he's known yeah, for. Exactly. Yeah, I won't mm-hmm. listen to him. That's just me being honest because of that. Like, like some of the songs were were dope. Like, but I just wouldn't be able to like stand my ear. Won't be able mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, I want to listen to that. <laughs> it has no shade or anything. It's just like didn't, beat didn't production or a choice of what you use as a beat. Like that matters, especially because yeah, I'm a consumer first. Mm-hmm. But it's all in, it's all in like what you like because y'all like the weekend and. In Adele's new album and stuff like that. So thirty. Sure. Loved it. Recent. <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up for thirty. Thumbs up for thirty. Man, I love I'm gonna 30. be honest. I, I haven't 30. even listened to it, bro. I have not. Listened. <laughs> <laughs> we need a tiebreaker. Next time you come on, we need a tiebreaker. We need a tiebreaker. Listen to it. I'll listen to it. Give me a short review. I'll be honest, bro. I listen to it. Yeah, bro. Yeah, it was just. I, there was no like lead singles. Uh, I think so. Like I just. It just easy I, on me. Easy I on knew, me was the one. Which is yeah. on trash. She chose yeah. one. That was definitely an album song. And she was like, you know what? You know, I'm from Rada. I'm from Rada, and I'm gonna drop that. Like, I love Governor. I can't speak in that accent, whatever. But she thought it was a great idea to drop that album song. So okay. Is funny. that one of your biggest issues with artists now is that they drop more album songs than actually like real singles? Yeah, because back in not mm. even back in the day, like you have to be strategic and how, even if you're well known, like, I'm going to take Drake because Drake is like literally the epitome and the ideal model of what to do as an artist because he came from doing college shows and doing underground shows and then become this big star. Like, every single he's dropped, like, what's next? He dropped what's next to a four point, I think it was three, four song, whatever. And then mm-hmm. before that, he like, he's make sure he drops singles that's going to hit to lead up to it. That's what you do. So if you drop yeah. a, a, a album song, like, take for instance, Summer Walker. 
I was going to hate her album if because she dropped <laughs> X for no reason, which was the dumbest song ever. But I loved her album though. I loved her album, but you realize she didn't have a Maurice single didn't. song. You didn't have the album. Oh, it was. Gosh. It, it, it's the same she way you feel about Gunner, man. It just she yeah. didn't change it up that much, you know. I mean, from the last album, from this this album, bro, like still something. I, don't, I didn't listen to it, bro. Like I didn't even listen to the other one. But this one, I think she was back to her self. Over it had more back. commercial success. Yeah, but she didn't have a single song. I see right. why she dropped X for no reason. Yeah, that's the closest single song she had. But I would have never dropped it. Mm. But the album inspired uh-huh. me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now getting into our final review with Dixon's Darling uh, EP. Um, you know, in this Rising Singer's debut EP, it features guest appearances from India Sean and uh, Anaya. Uh, he contains just ref- refreshingly soulful vocals um, paired with pensive lyrics. Is you know, each song is a journey. Um, he even said in an interview, "quote I think that pocket of vulnerability is the missing piece. I miss that in R and B. I'm not into that prideful kind of love. Um, Darling gets really imaginative sometimes, and there's something on it for everyone." End quote. Um, but to you, Maurice, kind of like just what, what were your thoughts on this debut EP and just how his career is developing from early beginnings? Yeah. So this is actually one of the first times I've heard heard Dixon. So when I uh, I, I went and dove into a couple of his older stuff as well. Um, but I, I liked a lot of songs from this project. I think I saved um, four out of four out of seven. So, and, really but good. I liked them all, you know. Um, but that, that tells me a lot because, you know, I, I usually am pretty particular about saving songs. Um, mm-hmm. But since I say like you know over half of them, I I feel pretty pretty. But uh, other than that, like this album just really flowed together very well, and um, especially the second half, I really like that the second the sound of the second half and like where he took it the project. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a very and solid even how project. The, how the EP starts, like the EP starts, yeah. it feels like chaotic. I, I, I like that feel to it. Yeah, and then it like calms down and and it's more concise and like mm-hmm. towards a specific direction towards the end. Definitely. Um, to, to you say, Vaughn, like, like when you heard this, what were some of like your, your first takeaways and kind of just like what you liked the most about this uh, EP? First couple of songs, like, oh, he's taking this thing to church. <clears throat> he's taking <laughs> yeah. this thing to church. And then, like you said, it was just kind of chaotic. I feel like that's the that's the perfectness of creating like an EP or album. You go through different emotions and how you feel to each song. Like we said, it flows perfectly well. Because now you like up here and then he brings you down emotionally and he gets you with his falsetto and his ability to do runs, his different range. And his, his concept, I love his concept. He reminds me of Sango and I think his name is Xavier Omar. Mm. Like how they yes, can be. Definitely and, and a little bit um, of, uh, what's the guy? He's he's big now. I, uh, what's the, Masago. Masago, Masago, oh, yeah, yeah. his name is. Right, yeah. That's what he were reminds me not singing quality but just how he uses the different instruments and different mm, productions yeah. to bring out the song a little more and i think that's really dope i, I like this i like this project i like it I, I think he can sing i think he's different i think he has his own sound which is rare so i finally like a, a project we talked about the day yes, Woo, finally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. man <laughs> finally picked one right one that's funny <laughs> one right one Man, I was struggling. I was 0 for 3. <laughs> no, wait, like, man, what am I doing? I always, what am I doing? I always say this. You always, like you said, this is my first time listening to Buddy. So you always pick artists I've never listened to before. Man, and you just This, this EP's been my, in rotation for me. My heavily. music. Yeah, he, he's, he's nice. He's nice. With yeah. Him. I wonder you know, who he's going to follow up with. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Frank Ocean. I'm not going to lie. Like his style. Bro, that's another one. Oh, it does. One. 
afraid need to come back. I'm telling you. Stop being a nurse. Whatever you're doing. <laughs> Riding bicycles in New York and stuff. <laughs> bro, do music again, bro. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and but before we transition into the break, uh, th- like, uh, still a lot of new music is, is even going to be dropping later tonight. Corday's dropping an album. Um, Earl Sweatshirt. Mm. Um, FKA Twigs. Like, like uh, to you, Maurice. What are some What are some albums that are kind of like standing out to you coming up, e- even tonight or maybe in, in the next couple of weeks? Yeah. So I'm definitely excited about the Corday album. I uh, saw his freestyle. Um, LA Leakers. Yeah, yeah. It was it was insane, bro. It really went off. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to see what he's doing with this whole uh, high-level thing. Like, he, he's trying to start his own thing. And, and uh, like, you, we're, I, I saw this on Instagram or, or YouTube or something. But he, we're like, oh, we're really witnessing, like, the golden child. Because that's what it seems like. You know, he got famous off of the, the, the J. Cole rebuttal. You know what I'm saying? And, like, before that, he was already doing music. And, and you know, we're watching him on the come up and become, like, one of the one of the biggest artists, you know, yeah. out there. He's not there yet, but he'll 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 get he'll there eventually. There. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited for that. I'm excited for Kendrick to drop this year. He he's definitely gonna he drop better. this year. Um, and then yeah, Frank Ocean as well when he drops. So yeah. Uh, to t- you, Savon, like like what what new music even later tonight or maybe in the next couple of weeks as well? Are you kind of like looking <clears> forward to? Earl Sweatshirt for sure. Corday too. Definitely. But when you said Earl Sweatshirt, I was like, what? That is, yeah, I didn't know he was that is a simple king. One of my yeah. uh, tracks is an Earl Sweatshirt type beat. Like, I listen to all of, like, beats by him. The dude can flow, bro. He's weird, but he can flow. Dude, has <laughs> yeah. His cadence is crazy. Corday, too. Like, I think Broke is Crap is the first real song I heard by Corday that I listened to his entire album. Bro is gifted. He even he had the hard part for to- Freestyle last week. He, he, yeah, he yeah, yeah, the, dude, that, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was fire. The, yeah. the song he got with Lil Wayne too. Ooh. Oh yeah, oh, Sinister. Yeah. Woo, woo. That video Goodness. was fire too. Yeah, that video <laughs> was fire too. But that lips he has adds to his cadence, power, bro. It does, bro. It does. It's crazy. He has a crazy. He makes cadence. it work. And he's pitch perfect too. No pun intended. Like his pitches, how he raps, it's mm-hmm. perfect pitch every single time. Yeah. Even when he switches an octave, it's still he's still in the perfect fit. That's extremely hard for a rapper. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our I Am Legend review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our I Am Legend review. And to start with the overview, I Am Legend is a 2007 post-apocalyptic um, action thriller film loosely based on the 1954 novel of the same name um, by Richard Matheson, directed by Francis Lawrence from a screenplay by Akiva Goldsman and uh, Mark Protisevich. Uh, the film stars Will Smith as U.S. Army uh, virologist Robert Neville, um, set in New York City after a virus which was you know, originally created to cure cancer, wiped out most of mankind, leaving uh, Neville as the last human in New York, other than nocturn- nocturnal uh, mutants. Um, Neville is immune to the virus, and he works to develop a cure while defending himself um, against the hostile mutants. It's the third feature film adaptation of Matheson's novel um, following 1964's The Last Man on Earth. Um, had a budget of $150 million and brought in $585.4 million in the box office. Also being the seventh highest uh, grossing film of 2007, earning $257 million domestically. Um, but it started off, Maurice, like, what were kind of your initial thoughts on this film as it was one that, you know, c- contained essentially a solo Will Smith performance that was just, you know, very mesmerizing? Yeah. Uh, definitely when I first watched this movie, it was, I, I realized I hadn't watched this movie in a, in a while. <laughs> it's been a long yeah. time. 
Um, so I didn't, and I didn't rewatch it before because I thought I remembered it. But um, basically, when I first watched it, though, I, I remember it being super interesting because it's like that is a scary thought. Like thinking about it is. being the only person left on Earth, and like, what would you do, and like, how do you handle that situation? So it really like put me in the character of of that situation. And and I think it also inspired a lot of other movies. Like it, it, this movie is like a pioneer for other movies Definitely. like this and like end time kind of movies. I think it, it was one of the first ones to really explore it's a, that. Um, it's a really vintage end time movie. Yeah, exactly. So like, so I, I think it really inspired a lot of other movies. You know, and, and I think a lot of the reviews. You know, like like some of the ratings, people are like, oh, you know, it's not that good or whatever. But I think that mainly stems because of the fact that it is like a pioneer for those other movies that it it, it set the tone for for in the in the blueprint for those movies to do. It didn't look did. as good when it first came out, but over time, yeah, exactly. Like, like, really, you saw you saw the vision. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's how I feel. Definitely. Um, to you, Savon, kind of like what were some of your initial thoughts on it? As like like Marcy was saying, it was a trailblazer for other end time movies, and this was a Will Smith performance that is kind of an underrated one, but still like a very high degree of difficulty. You know, I was afraid that it was going to be like, I like iRobot, don't get me wrong. I thought it was going to be one of those type films, mm-hmm. another yeah. film that we're going to get from Will Smith that we've already seen before. We see, I we, I feel like I, his range was displayed in this film because what? one, he's the normal, he's only there with his dog so to, to have that relationship and the training he had to do with the German Shepherd. I forgot her name. Got her Sam. name. Sam, thank you. See, well, let's hit the audit, man. Um, so I, I, feel, I feel like we saw his range in this one. We saw a different element. It was similar to his movies that he's done in the past, but he was it had a different range, a different emotion, different. We see him go into the abyss of just being mentally checked out, talking to, oh my, <laughs> talking to freaking dummies and uh, mannequins and Frank, like you know, just like weird. So we saw we're that not here, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what I when I first saw I was like, oh, I hope he's not another iRobot, but we got a different element of it, of him. Mm-hmm. He finally saw the range that he has. A lot of range, this one. Um to, to you, Maurice, like to start off from one of four stars, kind of like what would be your particular rating and some of your reasons for it? Yeah, I I'll I'll probably give it like a, a 3.4, 3.5. Mm-hmm. Um just because like I said, I think it did set the the like the trail for a lot of other movies. And I think when it first came out, it, it uh, you know, it did explore something that I haven't seen that I ha- I hadn't seen before. Um, but you know, obviously there are there are some things that could have been done better, like some of the production and and uh, that some was the, some the of the plot. missing parts in it. Yeah, yeah, plot holes. But you know, I still think it I still think it uh, served its purpose and with what it was trying to convey. So definitely, yeah, I I, I would give it three because you know this was just a gripping apocalyptic tale, you know, which. It circulates around large ideas and interesting themes, you know, while still having an eerie tone. And just as as we've mentioned, an excellent performance from Will Smith. Um, so you, Savon, kind of like from one to four stars, what would be your particular rating for it? I'll definitely give it a three, two, just because yeah. I feel like the ending could have been, they have had multiple endings. I think they, they should have an alternate ending. The, yeah, I yeah. think they should have went with the alternate ending. That one would have been better. I think at some point, like the, plots could have, the plot could have been a little bit different. But it just like we're, I'm nitpicking at this at, at this point. But I, I feel yeah. like it was a strong, solid three, and it could go for a three point four, like we said. But yeah, definitely a three. I think that if the alternate ending would the ending would have been different and went with the other one, I think it would have been. So because yeah, then it opens the door for 
a possible reboot, or I think they chose that because they didn't want to go to reboot. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess they did what they wanted to do. I guess. Yeah. Um. And and, and I'll get yeah, like. I mean, essentially focusing on this character because, because you know, this, this was essentially a solo performance from Will Smith, at, you know, as Robert Neville. It was almost like Will Smith's version of what Tom Hanks did in Castaway as he's, you know, desperately trying to hold on to his sanity in a way where he just, you know, clearly correlates with the premise um, in a very, like, high, at a very high level. Like, to, to you, Maurice, like, in terms of the character performance, like, what's it out to you the most with what he was able to do with Robert Neville? Um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is, like, him being able to portray like being alone in in this world, um, right. and like and like what he had to go through, like the the kind of training he had to do to portray this role, you know, he really had to get in that zone. You know, obviously he was surrounded by cameramen and and people of the sort, but like to really, I think he did a good job of like ignoring all that and like really getting in, into the zone where uh, he was like truly alone, and it was just him and the dog, you know, the whole time. So. I think I really appreciated that he was able to pull that out of this role and like really get in that bag and and um and like portray that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to you, Savon, like what stood out the, the most to you in the, in this performance uh, that Will Smith gave as Robert Neville? As this was, you know, it, it was one where he had to be a, a alone for for most of the movie a, 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 after he put down his dog and really just kind of like be in a different type of space and and, and just um just focus and level of detail. I don't think people understood the, the mental capacity that Neville had in this film to to want to seek normalcy in this right. this new day and age to be talking to mannequins like they're normal, like you are a normal. I'm gonna talk to her today. Like, what are you? It's a mannequin, bro. Like you're off in the deep end. You gonna talk to a girl that's not even existing, and to be able to and then. I don't know, man, to be able to do that and just and just show how mentally he was gone. Like he wanted he normalcy, but you had to eat I mean, you had to figure out and then and then and then after that, be able to still try to find a cure while being crazy. How is that even possible? So it's a switch off, the switch in and switch off of like, I want to be normal, but I know I normal only I could be normal and life can come back if I can find a right. cure. So he's going through mm-hmm. that Jekyll Hyde type type vibes in my eyes. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you got close. You got <laughs> really close. <laughs> really, really close. <laughs> um, but but now getting into most memorable scenes, um, I had hunting in the city where while driving through the city, Robert and his dogs um spot some deer and chase them through uh the the, the deserted city. I'm um, also infected encounter. Robert follows his dog Sam into an abandoned warehouse where they stumble upon a group of the infected uh trapped where Robert sees a strange sight while driving through. Um, the the uh, the city also infected dogs where Sam you know risked her life to save an injured Robert when a pack of infected dogs attack. Um, the death of Sam where Robert has to put down Sam after um, being attacked mm. by the infected and then finally let me save you where Anna and Ethan take refuge in the laboratory when the infected attack. Um, so you Maurice kind of like m- maybe like j- j- just one or two. Um, what, what were some of the scenes in this film that kind of like really stood out to you as as some of the memorable ones? Yeah, I think I think the most memorable. Uh, memorable one to me was definitely when he had to put down the dog. Yes. That, that was definitely the saddest moment in the film, um, other than the, like the original ending, of course. That was all he had. Um, yeah, because it's 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 like the you know it's the realization that like dang now I'm like actually like really alone in this world. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no one else that has my back. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just me now. So like being able to like still move on and still like do what he was trying to do in the film. Uh, 
like left the most impact as I watched the rest of the film and and remember it by. So mm-hmm. definitely. Um, to you, Savon, kind of like what were some of the scenes in this one that that really stood out to you as, as the most memorable ones? The the <clears throat> Betty's or whatever you want to call them, how they set them up. Like they said, the trap, that yeah. was a, a dope yeah. scene and them him fighting oh, yeah. the dogs and stuff. And then when he first met um, Anna and yeah. I think when they brought him back, they were in the kitchen cooking and he sat down and you can see for a moment he felt like it was normal. Then I think they cooked something they weren't supposed to cook or like bacon or something. I was saving yeah, that for, <laughs> like it was just like the switch off, the switch in, the switch out. So like, funny. yo, like that showed like, you know what I mean? So I thought that was memorable because he finally he found some people and he he can't get back to normal, but then you just go back to like nothing will ever be the same. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. Shout out to Drizzy. (laughs) Another shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta do the the Nori. Give it up for Drizzy. (laughs) Even though I won't get the interview. (laughs) I I know you listening, Drizzy. (laughs) Shout out to Drizzy. (laughs) Um, but 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 now getting into most memorable quotes. Um I had um, this is his legend from Anna. Also, the people who are trying to make the world worse are not taking a day off from Robert. Um, Neville, light up the darkness from Robert. Also, nothing has happened the way it was supposed to happen from Robert. And finally, um, the world is quieter now. We just have to listen from from Anna. Uh, to you, Maurice, kind of like what were some of the quotes in this one that that kind of like really um were standouts for you? Yeah, I think I think one of the the biggest quotes for me was the people who are trying to make the world worse are not taking a day off. Um, how can I, you know, light up the darkness? Um, so I think that that was, that was a really powerful quote. You know, obviously it transcend, transcends more than just the movie and the plot of the movie. It's like talking about real life. Um, so I think I think that and, and it and it kind of just stems to like back to you know the main character doing what he has to do to make the world better and to get back to being normal. So that's my favorite quote. Definitely. Um, to you, Savon, kind of like what were some of the standout quotes um for you in this one? God didn't do this. We did. Um, I think that was a good one. We was, I think he was talking to the kids like, I like Shrek. I thought that was really dope. And then when he told her specifically, drive around for a little bit. Don't go back so soon. What'd she do? We see women don't listen. See women don't listen. <laughs> oh, What'd she do? about to get us canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Three guys. Hey, hey look. Well, it's it. We don't have to tell Reese to add something. Hey, Reese, can you add like a... <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Oh, we're going to get canceled. Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, but, but, but to get into what did you like kind of like the most about the storyline, you know, it, it's been re- reiterated a lot, but to me, just the solitude and alone nature that Robert Neville had to deal with and just kind of fighting through that on a daily basis. And then him just even having to overcome that more without his dog was just kind of kind of like really the most gripping elements and parts of this storyline. But to you, Maurice, like looking at this storyline and kind of like some of the elements you liked about it the most, like what, was, what were one of the ones that you feel as though just really connected with you the most? Yeah, you know, besides being, besides, you know, the fact of being alone the whole movie, I think right. obviously that's like the major point of this movie or whatever but i think i think like his ability to continue to do what he has to do uh it's like one of my biggest things and, and i think it's like a representation of you know how we have to operate in life sometimes you know sometimes we're going to be alone sometimes we have to do stuff alone but you know we still have to continue and like strive to what we want to what we have in life and i think this right. this film represents that that struggle and that desire to obtain what you want even if you have to do it alone or 
you know, you know, focus on yourself, I guess, when other bad things happen. So definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, kind of like what was the element in the storyline uh, in particular that that really that you really liked the most? Mm. A man didn't give up hope when hope should have been given up. He kept trying to find a cure. He said, I can fix this. I can fix this. It was a term, even though he was losing his rabid mind. He was losing his <laughs> mind, talking to mannequins. Just, I promised a friend, I'll, I'll say hello. Please talk to me. Please say something. Like, and then be able to still to switch off and be able to try to find a cure and find a cure. Yeah, actually. So that was, the, yeah, yeah. that was the biggest one. That was his last thing. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to find a cure. Even before his family died, he wanted to find a cure. He actually did. And he died a hero. By saving yeah. Ethan and Anna, and then by finding the cure, so that was the dopest, dopest part of the storyline. It was like a silver lining in himself. Yeah, definitely. And before we get to our last topic, obviously with Will Smith's storied career, there are performances that some are, are mentioned more than others. Like to you, Maurice, to start off, like where do you think this one ranks in some of like his best performances, and also like what is the one performance from him that you kind of feel as though is like. The, the just the superior one that that he's been able to to deliver. Um, let me think. I think I think this one is definitely one of his most memorable ones because he had to stand out as an actor. You know, what to, yeah. He was mm-hmm. the only one. He was the main character, I, I will say, and and he was alone most of the movie. So I think he he had no choice but to stand out. Um, I don't know if I would say it's one of his best, like the the best ones. Um, I'm trying to remember which what movies I like the best. I think definitely iRobot was one of his most yeah. standout mm-hmm. standout roles. Um, Pursuit of Happiness. Um, yeah. uh, other than those, I'm trying to remember uh, like his best. Like obviously, like he's 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 very known for like his the bad boy stuff. Then he's had a lot of like seven pounds. Jeez, it, yeah. there's a lot to compare to. You know, incredible. Yeah, he he has a just very wide wide. Uh, range of roles. So I'm trying to... I, I can't really think of the best one that stands out mm-hmm. for most. But some of the ones that I named were, I, I think are, are are my favorites. Yeah. To, to, to you, Savon, like, where does this one kind of rank in, in what he's been able to do? And also, j- just like, what is like the superior film that you think he's really been in? I think this ranks in the top 10 for sure. I think another movie that just went into the top 10 is King Richard. Falling mm, out to see yes. that film. His paternal was really, really good. Um... I, I definitely our robot, the bad boys, men in black. Hitch was another one. I think Hitch oh, was Hitch in my so top good. five for him. Yeah. Um I haven't still haven't watched Gemini Man. They said it was really, really good. I still have to yeah, watch it. it. But Ali, um Wild Wild West is one of one of the goofy ones, but I really could have been in the that. Matrix. I'm glad he wasn't in the Matrix. I couldn't <laughs> see him in the Matrix. <laughs> It, it would become too real at that point. It, it yeah. would be like, all right, this is, yeah, this I don't, is too right, meta. I want to see him. <laughs> yeah. A, like, bro, like, we got men in black. Just keep it there, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> we didn't need you in the Matrix. It was, I feel like Keanu Reeves, nobody could play a role better than Keanu Reeves. Like, no, no one could play no. a better Morpheus. And we, I still haven't seen the new Matrix because people were telling me, Good. don't see it. It's horrible. It's not it. So glad we didn't review it. <laughs> it's it's oh not it, man. Oh, gosh, bro. That's why I haven't watched it. It's not it. it. <laughs> That's sad. Um, but, but, but to close it out in terms of just like 10 years from now, like do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Obviously, it stood the test of time with, with being just kind of one of the trailblazers for um, apocalyptic films. But to you, Maurice, like 
What do you think will continue to make this Washburn intriguing for even new viewers? You know, I think I think in in, in ten years, you know, I think it's still definitely going to be watchable because the crazy thing is, is like that reality could come true, you know, in the future. And I think you know, as as we you know, as as like global warming and just I'm not trying to get into politics or whatever, but just that kind of stuff. The danger of the the earth happens more. Mm-hmm. All these viruses that are out now, all that kind of stuff, you know, is realistic. You know, so I think that as that that kind of stuff happens more, um, and, and it and it could be the possibility where there's like this fight for human life or whatever. Um, right. You know, it, it becomes more realistic and it becomes like a reality that you can show your kids or whatever. It's like, hey, you know, you know, and they'll be able to relate to it. You know, even more so than we did back in the day when we, we when we watched this. So definitely. Um, t- to you, Savon, to close it out, like, what do you think will continue to make this just a watchable and intriguing movie another decade from now? Ooh, uh, man and best friend. Man is man and man's best friend. First oh, of yeah. all, um, guy with a dog. That that's appealing. And then there's Will Smith. He's international, yeah. and then he does dumb stuff like Stoop Nog and just you know, just he always will be relevant. I, mean, I don't mean dumb stuff, but he's so adventurous that he does yeah, everything under the sun. So he, was, mm-hmm. he will always be relevant. Anything you can think of. Red mm-hmm. Talk Table, uh, Entanglement. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is the bonus part of the podcast. This is the bonus part if you really like. <laughs> We've been out here too long. I'm about to do yeah, yeah. stuff over here. No, <laughs> but no, I'm man, he will, Will Smith will always be relevant. So his, his films, everybody's going to be intrigued. Like, oh, he played in this, so like, what are you know, like yeah. the next generation? So they're always gonna go back and peek into his look um, back at his catalog. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a strong catalog. Now, don't get me wrong. He has some follies, like for sure. The one for he sure. had with his son. I don't know what he was doing with that one. He tried <laughs> after Earth. After Earth. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh, that was so bad. That was, <laughs> <so> <laughs> <laughs> that was so trash, bro. Collateral <laughs> Beauty, another one that didn't go well. Uh, <laughs> I forgot Independence Day. That's that's top three. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Maurice, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, as always, man. And thanks so much for being back on. Yes, sir. Anytime, man. Anytime. Definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.